Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by regular rugby crew. Six Nations is over, we will chat about it all. Uh, but first, I hope everyone had a great Paddy's weekend, wherever you're listening from. I know I did, I know Wesley did. Sam got struck down by the COVID, so you're in the middle of it all now, Sam. How are you feeling? How has COVID been? Yeah, it finally got me. Like I, I was putting off to Goon. I was aggressively. You did well. You held off for a long time. I was time. actively like I was in. I was stuck in the house with it and uh, didn't get it. But then finally got it. I was at Paddy's Day Parade. Really nice. Got home. Started to feel a little bit off. Kind of was like, oh, I'll just do an antigen just in case. And I didn't even have time to finish taking a whiz while the thing was. The results were coming. The girlfriend shouted in the door, "You're uh, positive there." So. I was, Oh, absolutely raging. So I had to text Westy because I was at the Paddy's Day Parade with Westy and his missus. And I had to text them and be like, really sorry, but I have COVID, but you guys are all right. We were out in the open air and stuff. So it's grand. But uh, we've tested and we're safe. Good stuff. For the time I, being. You had it recently enough anyway, so you're good. But I had feeling of feeling it a little bit now, but it's kind of better today than it was yesterday. Yes, it was very tough. But then last night I was going to tell I was going to tweet this and I said I'll keep this for the show because Westy always comes with these banging stories about beating up this is a master of non-exclusive <laughs> everything. but uh the cat for the last kind of couple of weeks has been bringing in like little uh, we thought they were mice but turns out they're little greater white toothed shrews uh they look like mice but little fucking shrewy kind of noses on them they're usually how did you how did you find this out by the because they definitely weren't them. mice so i looked them up and uh I thought they were pygmy shrews for a while, but they're too big for pygmy shrews. So, but they're usually dead when we get down in the morning. We pick them up, put them in plastic bag, throw them in the bin, and he kind of looks at us like, "Did you like the present I bought you?" And the odd time it's a bird. Recently enough, one he had was half dead, and we had to watch him kill it before putting it out of his misery. <laughs> but then last night he brought one in, and I'm dying, and I hear him kind of go meow, and I knew there was something up. So I looked into him, and he had one in his mouth. And I was like, Ozzy, what are you doing? And he dropped it. And the fucking thing was alive. It was like, beep, beep, beep. And he starts running around the kitchen. And I'm jumping up on the couch. And the girlfriend's up on the couch. And we're like, oh, shit. And the cat's looking at it like, got you a present, lads. Uh, and then didn't the fucking thing disappear into the utility room? And the cat was like, oh, I lost it. I was like, oh, so now there's a shrew in the house. So we left the door open, tried to lure it out some food. Nothing happening. Went to bed, locked the door kind of thing. This morning sitting there watching TV and the yoke walks out from underneath the TV, uh, underneath the TV thing. So I threw, threw a pillow down behind it to scare it, try and get it to go out the back door, but it ran under the fridge. So I had to like cornered in the fridge uh, and then it came out again and I'm dying trying to catch it. The girlfriend has a bowl. Like, so eventually we managed to catch it and release it out into the back garden. But the whole time, every time it was running around, the cat was going over and then getting scared of it and running away. Like, you brought it into the poxy house. And now we have this thing running around the house. I'm dying of COVID trying to catch it. I had to take a lie down for about two minutes afterwards. Hold on. I, I want to get this right. I guess you could call him a shrewd operator. Shrewd operator. <laughs> I've been here all week, guys. I thought there was a taming of the shrew joke coming. You did, you did English for <laughs> but shrewd operator. The best part about that joke is Westy, we're on Zoom for everyone listening, like put up his hand basically uh, like through Zoom. It's all in the was... delivery. So excited about that joke. Fantastic. Yeah, how is the cat afraid of it? It caught it in the first place. I don't know. It caught it. And then when it dropped down and it wasn't dead, it freaked out. So I reckon the cat's not even catching him. I reckon he's buying back alley dead ones to give to us or something. Because it was there and the cat would run over to it and then it would make a noise and start running. And Ozzy would peg it off. So we were left to our own devices, like armed with like 
I had a sweeping brush and Corey had a bowl and we had to put baking paper down. Yeah, we let it let it go in the backyard and then, but uh, it probably end up back in the house. But yeah, it's just not what you need when you're dying of COVID. Like I, like after after that the hour of trying to get it, like lure it out from behind the fridge and putting down food and trying to trick it into coming back out the house. I ended up having to lie down for like an hour after that because I was so tired. That that is awful. I I can't imagine. Is it like what cleaning did you do afterwards? I'm sure uh, you just disinfected the baby as well. So I had to like bleach and all the floors and stuff. So oh. you should have threw, threw the baby at it. That could have worked. <laughs> Ash is there, she's like rolling it around on the ground, and I'm like, ah! Attack, Ash, attack! Uh, Westy, how was your weekend after that? Apart from giving Sam COVID, because I'm sure you were licking his face. What, what was, how was your weekend? Uh, yes, I was licking his face, um, but I don't have COVID, so that's not how we got it. Um, my weekend was pretty good. I uh, went to the parade, went to the Connacht Senior Cup final in the sports ground, um, and then I was down in Clare for a few days, went for dinner, and went in for a lovely swim in the Hinch. And then I sat on the couch all day Saturday and watched rugby. I mean, it's it's the stuff of dreams, really. Yeah, Westy, your life these days is just incredible. I'm not going to lie. It pisses me off. Pisses yeah. me off. Yeah, I've, go- I've started doing things. It's really fun. Go- I know. I didn't know stuff could be so fun. I used to sit around doing nothing. That was Since not you got a girlfriend, your life's so much better. <laughs> it really is. She makes me do uh, things. She <laughs> makes me do things that I actually enjoy but don't want to do. Um, I was on me Hollier's. As anyone who saw it, uh, on Twitter, I was very quiet the last few days because I took a, cle- a cleanse off social media, which was good. I was over in Sheffield visiting friends, Niall and Fran. Um, it was good. Went to a went to a soccer ball game, um, which was fun. Uh, Sheffield United they won, which was great. Uh, had a few pints. Watched uh, watched the rug. Well, I I missed the Italy game, of course. The one I probably should have watched the most. I which I missed that one. Uh, which we will we'll get started with that, lads. Uh, amazing France win the Grand Slam, and the biggest talking point is not that at all. Uh, Italy get the first win since twenty fifteen. Is that correct? Did I see that floating around? Yeah, thirty seven yeah, so. games in the Six Nations or something. Their first win in the Six Nations since twenty fifteen. Not yeah. first win. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've won the uh, odd November International in that. Yeah, yeah it's first win of Six Nations. Um, not even in Rome. Away to Wales in Cardiff, twenty-two points, twenty-one in amazing fashion. Westy, I feel like you're you're the biggest Italy kind of believer out of all three of us. So uh, I'll just let you take the floor here. A fantastic day for uh, for Italy rugby. Um, it was, and what's kind of most impressive about it is that. Apart from maybe the exception of starting pretty well against France and then not being as competitive as England, I, f- I feel like Italy built really well into the competition. And um, you know, even in the last twenty minutes against Scotland, you know, they seemed to find a kind of extra gear and find um, kind of a few more, you know, a few more um, strategic ways that they could attack. You know, they moved to quite a quick pick and go game, which I think the two last tries came off. Um, but yeah, I think. The, the key things that they did against Wales, but they really got in their face and tried to shut down their channels and stayed in the game. You know, you guys tagged me about my Italy catchphrase of dying off in the last 20 minutes. And I've never said it all tournament because, well, they haven't really been competitive up until the last 20 minutes. But there is two games now. Okay, the Scotland game, too far behind, two tries in the last 15 minutes. But the Wales game, absolutely brilliant. Like, they hold on. If they don't hold up that Win Jones try, there could be two or three more tries for Wales there. But Italy hold it. And then they... You know, Wales think the game is over. Like there's a, there's a, you know, they kick it deep. Adam, uh, Josh Adams is named man of the match, and there's just this moment of brilliance from Capuzzo again. Like it's, um, it's great that they got that monkey off the back because it does silence their critics for a while. It does say like, well, obviously they have a place tournament. They're able to get these wins, 
And no matter how bad you want to say Wales were on the day or whatever, it was still in Cardiff. It was still away. It's still an, an amazingly hard place to go and get a win. Um, so I'm just delighted for them. I think it's a really great group of young players. I think there's still great players to come back. Manazzi, uh, Nigiri, um, Jake Pledry, who I'm such a massive fan of. But even now, it's like, where do they fit back in? Because they have this amazing, they have this really good crop of younger players. Um, so I think getting the monkey off the back is so good because they've brought in these young lads. And if they continue to take these huge defeats, you know, the mentality of losing would come back. It's not... It's not the be all and end all. You know, they're not going to necessarily guarantee to win next year, but they've got to win. They've broken that seven year curse and now they can build on it. I think what's really important is where they go from here. Uh, Kieran Crowley has gotten the best out of these, well, not the best ideas, but he's gotten something that works out of these lads. Now they have a summer tour. I think they're playing um, USA and Argentina. Um, so they've got a really good opportunity now to, to push on and really show what they can do. And I'm, I'll say, I'm just delighted for the lads. I mean, you saw Garbizi at, at the end of the getting the conversion. Like, it's just, like, I can honestly say, I would, like, everything else was down from there all day. Like, that was the most excited that I was. Even when we were watching the Scotland game, my girlfriend was like, when we scored our first try, she's like, still so excited. I was like, I'm still recovering from the Italy game. The adrenaline dump after the Italy game. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the big thing, Wesley, is the the mental effect of this going forward for Italy. Getting that win, especially over a Welsh team in, as you say, in Cardiff. That, that was the first time ever beating Wales away. Stuff like that's going to be huge. And I don't. I think Sam, it'll be a disservice to us by talking about uh, talking about kind of how bad Wales are, or the situation of Wales by now, because it'd be a disservice to Italy. How just amazing for this is Italy, as kind of Wesley said, and also. Can they now take that step on to become, you know, one win at least a year and then, then push on again? Is that is that possible? You want to hope it is, yeah. You want that to be the goal for Italy. You don't want the Italy game to be the game of heavy rotation. And if you look at the Wales team, it wasn't like you know, Willis Halaholo comes in at 12 and like Reese Hammett's playing, Adam Beard's playing, and Jones is back, Navidi's there, Falta's there. So it's like bigger starting at 10 it's it's a big team like it's it's a good welsh team it's not a heavily rotated team it's not a 13 changes and that's what you want italy games to be regardless of what the results are at the end of the day if they're playing in the six nations you want them to be somewhat competitive you don't want it to be an obvious walkover you don't want it to be that kind of party line of oh the player only got his his only cap was against italy or he's sure he's only played against italy because that's just it's it's unfair on them so you hope they tip on kick on from it I think if you look at the way they played, they kept themselves in the game really well. It was very smart. Like in the past, you criticize them for making really poor kind of uh, poor decisions on the pitch, not maybe not having the, the right sort of leadership. But, you know, they kicked their points when it was there. I think they won two, three, five, five penalties, uh, two different kickers. So they, they took the points when they were available to them, kept themselves in the game. I was laughingly going to text Westy when they went behind with about five minutes to go and be like, oh, you got your chance to say the line again, but no, like fair play to them for having that moment of magic. And I think you can only have that moment of magic if you keep yourself in the game like they did and they kept themselves competitive because he could have done that if they were 30 points down and everyone would have gone, oh, great try. Yeah, that player's got a future ahead of him. But because it was such a clutch moment, it's it's made all the better. So uh, what a moment for him. For uh, It was Patavani who scored the try. It was... Uh, Capuzo, who made the made the try, and he's had a, a stellar two weeks. Pretty sure he's 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 playing with Grenoble at the moment in the Pro D two, and he's moving to either Toulouse or Toulon, I think. So, uh, you know, he's got a good future ahead of him. You wonder how long a seventy eight kg player can play professional rugby before something has to give. Like, so uh, I hope I hope the trajectory is good and he grows with this Italy team because 
I've been I've been harsh on Italy. I still I re- remain uh, exclusively in the there should be promotion relegation. I just I don't like the the ring fencing in rugby in general, uh, and I don't think that's gone away. But I think Italy should continue to grow, and I'm happy if they are continuing to grow because that is one of the issues with it is that you know they they were that far behind everyone else. So beating a, a name like Wales is going to be huge for them. Hopefully, we see this like this group of uh, under twenties they have kind of growing into it as well and coming through and. You see kind of a, a further development and a further push in any two wins in a tournament or two or three, you know, getting themselves into the mid-table. Yeah, even that, as you said, that uh, that pass by Caputo, you know, it would have been classic Italy for him not to give that pass and go for himself or something like oh, that. So even seeing that was like... <laughs> Mon- yeah, Monte, well, yeah. Monteoni did it earlier on in the game and Hogg reaped him into touch. I was absolutely raging because he was, it was an unbelievable bit of skill to make the break from where he was and to not finish in the way that he did because he took it himself when there was such a good inside ball there available to him. I was just thrown. I was, I was raging because I was going like, that is what's been killing Italy. It's good play followed by a small, stupid mistake and like bad, bad errors in judgment time and time again, not taking the points. And this team, other than that one moment by Oani, who was brilliant for the rest of the game, it was absolutely unbelievable. He continues to scare the life out of me every time he gets the ball. Like, I hate when Connors are playing against him because he's the exact type of player you don't want to play against. But uh, you uh, you see that Italy not making the mistakes that they would have typically made and taking their points and kicking to touch and not using the ball too deep and those sort of things. So it's, I thought it was a, I thought it was really smart and really you know professional performance by them and they deserve to win. So I'm really glad they did. Sorry, so, see, it's not the first time ever that they've beaten a good side. I mean, even when Connor Shea was in charge, like they beat South Africa, and then the issue was that they kind of failed to kick on after that, but. One of the things I would say, and South Africa obviously improved drastically in the, in the next year when I won the World Cup, but I think one of the important things to note about it is it's not like Italy went out there and played this one-off outstanding game. Like they, There's still so many areas. Like Their kicking was quite poor. I thought Callum Braley's box kicks were very rarely landing in any form of contestable position. Um, even some of Garabisi's in-play kicks, like his ideas right, but his execution is, is still kind of poor. Um, my point is that there's there's so many, um, I don't want to say easy things to work on, but there's so many simple things to identify that they can keep working on and hopefully use this as a platform to go on. As Sam said, it's not a foregone conclusion. They've won big games before and failed to push on, but hopefully with the with the uh, influx of these young guys um, and with the new management that's there, hopefully they can this time work on those areas and then use it to kind of put together a full performance, uh, hopefully during the summer or even next extension. I think, yeah, you made a good point there, Wesley, how young the squad is and how young their stars are. Like, getting that win early in their careers, you know, it's the emotional baggage that comes with maybe a lot of the older players. That's kind of gone now. They've got a win under their belt. Like, there'll be a bit of confidence to them. Uh, I think, I think, like, I don't know. I hope they do. I think we all hope that they do. So, uh, fantastic day for Italy and fair play to them. Um, last thing, is is Alan Wynne jones cursed? Uh, we were sort of talking before we came on here, like his 50th cap loss, 100 cap loss, 150 cap loss. Um, that's that's really, just a really bad coincidence. Uh, I know a lot of Welsh fans weren't happy with him being kind of forced back into the team, but uh, a man of that kind of um, stature is always going to come back. But uh, Wales, look, at t- things happen so quickly in, in team, in, in rugby, um, they had a bad year this year, but they could come back next year and be, you know, contending again. So, move on. Then the second game of the day: Ireland, Scotland. Ireland doing what they needed to do. Bonus point win at home, twenty six points to five. Half time, there were fourteen points to five up. Uh, Sam, though, like the first 
20 minutes quite alarming quite in the back foot like Scotland started this game really well yeah I think Scotland wanted to spoil the party and I think that it looked like they could for a while Scotland have Scotland have had a weird tournament where they've been good for big patches of games but not really like kicked on I think part and parcel might have been Scotland trying to make a statement based on their uh, I don't know sorry I've got put off by Wesley's beautiful hair I don't know what he was doing Wesley's like flicking his hair like (laughs) as if like the ultimate distraction he's really throwing me off there I can't take my eyes off where I should get a cut to Sorry, Sam, I was listening as well. I don't think you should get a cut at all. I think grow it. Uh, this girlfriend is ruining you. <laughs> uh, Are you going to get a cut, Westy? Sorry, total side note. Uh, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be pretty hot under here for the summer, I think. So I might have to do something with it. Top knot. Top knot. Just go like ultimate opposite and just shave your head. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay, sorry, Sam. Back to rugby. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I think I think a lot of the Scotland coming out of the traps the way they did and trying to put pressure on Ireland was almost in retaliation or in, in answer to kind of the controversy around the, the leadership group and what happened with the drinks and the, the Finn Russell being dropped and Stuart Hogg and the supposedly stuff going around on a WhatsApp that I don't I haven't heard, but I'd love to hear and uh, find out what kind of what the in-camp consensus was. So I think part, part of what the pressure that they put on Ireland early on might have been in answer to that. They wanted to prove a point. But uh, no, I think that Ireland kind of, they grew into it and, it wasn't the, the most vintage of Ireland performances, but I think that that's an excellent place to be at the end of the Six Nations, a year and a bit out from the World Cup. It's like, we're not number one in the world. We have obvious areas to grow, but we were competitive throughout the Six Nations. We came second, only beaten by an extremely good French team that just about beat us. So we have so much good platform to build off. We have a really, really good squad, albeit maybe the wider squad isn't as experienced as we'd like personally as fans, but you know, that the, the management seem to kind of believe that they are. Uh, otherwise I think you would have seen the likes of Lowry or Balakoon in the team at the weekend. But no, I think that uh, we put ourselves in a great position having won that game and other games, this six nations being not perfect. It's given the management something to say to the players when they come into the coach and they go to New Zealand, they go, look, this is what we need to work on. Cause you were good. You got away with it. We kind of got, Maybe a couple of other teams weren't firing on all cylinders throughout Six Nations, but it's not going to be good enough come France in 2023. So I think, no, I think that the end of the game was probably better. And, you know, we got that bonus point try at the end. That The commentators kept saying we needed, and I really didn't think we did because I didn't think France and England was going to go to some sort of like shootout four try each draw. I, I didn't think that that was a possibility, but that was the only reason we would have needed a bonus point win. Uh, but the commentator kept saying it. So I was like, geez, have I gotten this wrong? So Yeah, I think... Uh... Let's talk. Just touch briefly on the discipline issue. Uh, a few members of the leadership uh, group, including Hogg and Finn Russell, uh, went well, basically after the Italy game. They got home. They went out for a few drinks to nightclub or something like that. Westy, like this is not the first time, especially with Finn Russell. Um, as Sam called his fantasy team, he just loves a point. Um, what what is the issue here? Why is this a thing with Scotland? Is it just a thing with Scotland? Have we, we is it other countries as well? Is this something that they should be worried about? I know Stuart Hogg apparently muttered under his breath after the press conference that he won't miss this kind of hinting at maybe he's going to lose captaincy or maybe he's just maybe people are reading too much into that. But what do you think about the whole situation? It's a tough one, like because like I'm well in the camp that like wins should be celebrated and like you know if if you get a win you have to embrace it and you have to you know. I'm not saying, and I don't necessarily mean go down the piss to celebrate it, but I mean, like, it has to be celebrated and you have to kind of do something to commemorate, even if it is just a game against Italy. But it seems like a strange scenario where, you know, three or four lads get back and, you know, I'd say someone says, here, get a taxi, we go to the pub. Like, it's not even like a team celebration thing that goes wrong. Um, 
I think maybe they maybe they do have to look at their leadership group. If, if your leadership group is involved in that, um, one week before the end, like and again, like you could say as well, what's the harm that they weren't going to win it? But I mean, they they were in contention for third place. I think it was at the highest they could have gotten. Like they could have finished strong, like beating England, beating England, beating us is a successful Six Nations for anybody. Like you can look at the other games after that if you want. But um, yeah, it just seems. It seems it seems an odd scenario. I guess maybe for the summer tours, it's an opportunity now to push on with somebody else. If you wanna, if you wanted to punish those players and say like, or how do we do it out? But I think Stuart Hawk is almost at a level where he knows he can get away whatever he wants. So I'm not really sure how you progress with it. Um, I probably say they do have to look at the leadership group maybe and see how uh, how how they're going to move forward with those guys. Yeah, I think for me the issue is really I. I... I like I'd be all for having a drink afterwards, but the situation is that they weren't supposed to. And as professional athletes in the middle of a camp in COVID, you know, with, with the COVID lockdowns the way they are, uh, I think that, that that is the bigger issue is like that they've broken something that they as leadership group were most likely involved in the, the deciding of or Gregor Townsend has told them. And you just fall in line. If that's if if it's against the rules in work to do something, you just don't do it. Like you know, I I would love by all means to be going out tattoos ablazing when I'm going to work, but that's just kind of against the rules. So I just don't do it uh, regardless of how I feel about it. And I know they're grown men and they can have a drink and you want to celebrate, but by all accounts, there was a celebration and then they went out and then they were asked to come back and they all didn't come back. And that's where it all happened. So I think for me personally, it's more the breaking of the rules than the rule that was broken. Like I, I, I personally think you should be allowed to have a drink after a game. Uh, it's one of the bigger uh, things about rugby I, I think that rugby has quite a, a good drinking culture around it and you have celebrations after the game I think it's, it's superior to uh, the GA for instance in that regard but I just think that if the rule was broke if the rule was there and obvious and that they they've tried to sneak out and they've tried to get away with it and they've been caught I think that's on them and uh, they should be deservedly punishment Hogg was a bit petulant in the way that he addressed it afterwards kind of going I won't miss this and I'm kind of going well you didn't do you know you had a good few mistakes in the games, I know you're a great player, but you're not faultless at all. So, you know, and unless you're literally carrying teams or like the best player in the world, I don't think you can be acting like that. No, I, I yeah, I agree. And look, I like that's as you said, that they are definitely allowed to go for a drink out. It wasn't that, it was the fact that they probably pushed it too much. And Scotland, the players like that, seem to have a, a history of it. And it's a shame because, um, as you said, it's, it's the best players that are doing it. And it just sets terrible precedents probably for younger lads. And, um, you know, if if they're doing that sort of stuff, then what else are they doing in terms of training? Are they skipping, you know, you know, cutting corners and training? And is that the reason why they're not probably filling their potential and all this? You know, it just it it doesn't look good when it comes to that sort of thing. So it's a shame. We'll see. We'll see next year to come back. You know, as I said they they definitely are a talented team. No one's denying that, but they just can't seem to push on and take that next step, which is a shame. But we'll talk about Ireland, as you said, Sam. You know, overall very successful tournament, only losing to France and. Uh, really coming back strong in that game and France are an incredible team as we'll get to um, Westy are we happy that Ireland didn't win a championship or a Grand Slam the year before a World Cup is that something we can you know all eyes are going to be on France coming from the Northern Hemisphere uh, this time next year and rightly so are, are Ireland kind of somewhat flying under the radar for how good they are um, I don't know if we're flying under the radar I think people are pretty aware that we're building something good I think the fact that we are and I'm not necessarily saying we've been as convincing as we were against the All We still seem to be improving, and players are getting slotted in and moving around. I don't think I don't think we're ever happy to not win a Six Nations, especially well, you know, <laughs> maybe I sacrificed the one just before the World Cup for maybe win the World Cup. But 
Um, I don't think we're happy that we didn't win. I think we're happy with our performances overall and coming away with a triple crown is pretty impressive. We identified at the start of this tournament that England away and France away were going to be two very difficult um, games. And given the way we started the France game, I think the result is is good. You know, we, we build back into the game and we make it a, a competitive fight. Um, we, we start to match them in the physicality as the game goes on. I think one of the things you have to look at really is is why we're not starting in that gear. Why, why we started in third gear and let them run over us and it took us a while to build in um i think we're in a really strong position with you know the summer tour we have coming up to new zealand i mean that's a great opportunity to, to give lads you know it's one of the hardest places to go and play a game of rugby um and we also still have another um 18 months to, to, to develop our game plan which to me does seem to be you know slightly progressing and moving on okay not every week is going to be you know 10 tries or however many tries over Wales, you know, and, and storming to victory, you're going to have to face the opponent. But what I, what I like to see is there's slight adaptions in our game plan, depending on who we're playing against. It's not just, you know, there was a habit with the Joe Schmidt system, which, you know, we can't underestimate the value of it. We're still seeing benefits from it, but there was a habit of us playing the same way week in, week out. Um, not with no consideration to our opponents, because that's obviously not true. People are doing analysis on the opponents, but it seemed like we were going to play a certain way almost regardless. Um, whereas now it seems that we are adapting a little bit more on the fly to the team that, that we're, or to the team that we're against and to the way that they're playing. So I think, I don't think we're happy that we didn't win it. I think, I think we're put, we should all be very happy with our performance. I think there, you know, it's, it's not like we went out and lost it in the last game. If we'd lost to Scotland now, you'd worry, you'd think, oh, we didn't have the kind of, you know, the focus to get it through. Or if we'd lost that game against England with 14 men, you know, um, but I think I think we're building well. I think there's good development. And, and again, as I say, there's been a decent influx of new players. And I think contrary to maybe Eddie Jones, who gets a lot of new players in and gets and then they kind of aren't really seen again, we're bringing lads into the squad who are getting a couple of games and are staying around that squad. So I guess what I'd just like to see going forward is a little bit more of that. Like I'm a little bit concerned in areas like in the terms of, say, Tyg Furlong, who played on average 72 or three minutes in every game. So what are we doing for a time where, you know, we saw Andrew Porter get injured and we had a bit of a shock. We're like, okay, who goes in? Um, so I do think that it's important in the summer. You don't at all, you're not going to sacrifice one of these games because, you know, three wins over the All Blacks would be unbelievable. But what I, what I want to see is kind of what I wanted to see when the Italy game was not wholesale changes in each game, but three or four or two or three changes in each game. Playing the same 15 twice isn't going to give us a lot. But a little bit of same spine of a team, or maybe let's say in the front row, we change the loose head and keep the uh, hooker and tight head together. So, like, if you're gonna start, you start Porter and Keller, but then you start Bealham as well, or you start Furlong and Porter, and you start Danchi, and you know, it's it's good to get these one or two changes in these positions. So, I think we've put ourselves in a great position to now push on. But I don't think we're under the radar. I think that's I think a really good summary of it is like I think Ireland at the moment our best is good enough to beat anybody we we don't get we're not there every game obviously as you said we're slow to start we're still as you said reliant on a couple of key positions in the sense of uh, if Sexton goes down we don't know what really what we have if Keenan goes down I feel like we still don't know what we have Furlong's definitely a big one um and it's you know it's we we aren't really investing heavily in that yet. Now we may, as you said, over the summer tour, um, over the next year we might see a bit more of that. I think we all know what Lowry can do in that fullback position. I think we all know what Carberry's ceiling is, but we haven't seen it in a long time. 
Um, we all think Finley's fantastic. We just he can't seem to get more than ten minutes in a game, which is a shame. I think I think Finley probably would have got more in that game, especially it being Scotland. Maybe not the England game if it wasn't for the fact that Sheehan and Healy were in there, who I think were kind of they. Sheehan had a, a, a phenomenal game uh, in all aspects, but the scrummaging wasn't the best part of his game in the last. In you know, in the England one, him and Healy were kind of getting done, and that allowed them to get round on Furlong. And I think that. They just wanted to keep Furlong there because of how good he is beside she and really to kind of give him that extra little bit of boost. Because I think that outside of the scrummaging, he was amazing, but the scrummaging maybe just, you know, he was they were able to get at him a little bit. So I think you probably would have seen Finley for more than that because the, the management, I know they don't seem to trust him in terms of like being a you know a 30-minute player, but they do seem to trust him. Like he is he's pretty much an ever-present now. Uh, and it does it it it, I'm very still defensive of him whenever I see people going, I just don't see Finley Bielham. I don't see what Finley Bielham adds. Or we need to work out who's behind Ty Furlong. Going, well, the management clearly think it's Finley. And since 2016, he's been consistently in Ireland teams. He's been in teams of the year. He's be- beaten the All Blacks. Like, I don't know what more he has to do. Like, But yeah, I think that if it wasn't she and if it was Kelleher there and Porter on the other side, I think you would have seen more of Finley in that Scotland game in particular. Yeah, I think Finley just is unfortunately has come around the same time as a generational talent in Tyke yeah. Furlong. Like it's a lot of it is just unlucky timing as well. Uh, I do. I personally, I think Kilcoin has should be our starting loose uh, loose head going forward. I think I just think he's great. But um, I want I want to address something. I feel like especially the last week, I've seen a lot of shit on Twitter about Henshaw has to come in, start long ring rows. Henshaw has to come in. Like I'd love to do anyone who's not as lazy as me. Go back and see since Bundy's been around. How what's the percentage of games he started? Because I feel like once he's fit and healthy, Bundy's starting, uh, and is always fantastic. So I think people need to put some respect on Bundy's name a little bit. Uh, coming in with with Henshaw coming back, and everyone's like Henshaw played well last game coming on sub, but it's all like, oh, get Bundy out, get Henshaw in. Bundy's incredible and has been a a stalwart since he's come in, and I've been a first name of the team sheet kind of guy for a long time now too. Uh, and it's just it just annoyed me uh, to see on Twitter. I've kept the receipts of some tweets. Don't worry, they're in my back pocket if need be. Uh, but Bundy is Bundy's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and also Hugo Keenan's tackle on Stuart Hogg was one of the best tackles I've seen in a long, long time. I stood up in the middle of a pub in England and shouted, "Come on, Hugo!" Which couldn't be more Dublin of me uh, to shout that in the pub. It was I, I how I watched it back since. How does Hogg not score there? It's incredible. But how he should have passed it for one. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> the main thing. But still, that. But no, I, uh, fair play for saying Hugo and not going Hughes or something ridiculous. Definitely not saying. I'm not saying Hughes but, uh, ever. No, one of the one of the best cover tackles I've ever seen. Just the, the kind of wherewithal to drag him out as well is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Hugo Keane has really nailed down that 15 spot. It's just it's it's his, uh, and it's unfortunate, like you said, where. Uh, Finley with the Tyke Furlong thing for Lowry as well because Lowry is so so good but this management seems adverse to making big amounts of changes and bringing in people and kind of seems to really like with Bundy at 12 if you're if you're riding the crest of a wave they seem to let you go on it you know Henshaw is one of the top players in the northern hemisphere if not the world but Bundy is playing well and he's playing well in a system that was doing well so they're saying you know you keep your spot until such a time that uh, you lose it uh, and I think that the the most of the Bundy narrative it's it's annoyed me as well it t- it tends to stem from Leinster fans from Leinster fan media from Leinster pundits uh, former Leinster player pundits that sort of thing all really pushing this like 
Gary Ringrose was supposed to be the next bad thing. So therefore he has to be 13. Whereas actually, I really do think that Bundy 12 and uh, Henshaw 13 is the best combination. I think Ringrose had a decent tournament. I don't think it's been anywhere near as good as what people have said, especially the Scotland game. I thought he was not great. I didn't think Bundy was great either. I think it was one of his weaker games and it looked like he was carrying something. Wouldn't be surprised if he's out for further than just the mandatory couple of weeks. When he comes back, he looked like his knee was heavily strapped and that was what went down after the last game. So I think he might kind of be nursing something, but I think Bundy brings so much to the team that just, he just doesn't get credit for. He's, he's a, you know, he's a link man. He's a really good player. He's a really smart player. All the professional players say it, but the pundits all seem to think he's just a battering ram because they're so used to what he did under Joe Schmidt. And that's just the way it's going to be. And it's going to continue to be the narrative because they really just want to push that 12, 13 Henshaw ring rose thing. And it's, it's just, we're going to have to live with it. And we're going to have to gloat every time Bunny gets picked at 12 and plays amazing. I know, but like it's every, every, I keep hearing it. I'm like, okay, but like the, the coaching staff clearly keep starring Bundy at 12. They're obviously yeah. fond of him being at 12. Like third test in South Africa, Bundy and Ringrose, 12, 13. Like, let's just go with that. You know, It's just, it's weird. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap up. I think though. Bundy and Hedgerow, uh, not Bundy and Ringrose. Ringrose wasn't even in South Africa. Sorry. No. Is that, yeah. It's okay. We'll, we'll let that one slide. So, um, yeah, I think Ireland though, positive. I think uh, this team is more than capable as of the time being, as of now, to get past that quarterfinal stage, dare I say it, of a World Cup. But, uh, and they still have room to improve, which is great. But, Move on to the last game, the crowning of the French, uh, beating England 25-13 uh, in Paris. Um, just Westy, France, pretty good at rugby, right? Yeah, who'd have thought? Yeah. Not really a, a great rugby country or anything. You know? No story <laughs> yeah. history or no top flight internal league. <laughs> just, just, you know, soccer players. Yeah, just turned up on the day and, you know, did it. No, fantastic performance from France. And I think um, what's impressive as well is, you know, England did trouble them a little bit for, for a short time, kind of specifically kind of more early on. But yeah, France just, I don't think they ever really didn't look in control of the game. Um, and it's, it is really impressive. Um, you know, we said Dupont looked a little bit quiet um, last week. And what I didn't think this was his best performance you know, really did kind of come out of the blocks uh, fighting. And I think what they've done really well, you know, it's it's similar thing we talked about with Italy. Like they've brought in a younger team. They've really kind of, you know, you hear kind of reports now from four or five years ago where players weren't really that excited to go to the, to the national camp. People didn't really care about how, how they got on. It wasn't uh, lauded as highly as it is now. And I think now they've developed a really, like, Again, similar, picked up a really young crop. They're kind of trying to, Fabian Galdi is trying to push players through. Um, and, you know, like, you know, people keep going on about, but like their, their work rate and their focus in defense is outstanding. You know, you can have the best defensive system in the world, but if you're not buying into it, then it won't work. And the the bite that these guys have, the, the dedication they have, I don't know what Sean Edwards is putting in their coffee, but like they, they've, you know, they've really fallen in love with him and really kind of gone for whatever he's, you know the 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 product that he's pitching them. So, um, and and again, there's still players to come back, right? Like we had players like last week, like uh, Botier and and Rates and uh, Olivant. Like there's still there's still more players there. Um, but I really really like what Galtier is doing. We, we mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, um, Jaminet was playing Pro D2 up until last summer and was brought to Australia to play on. Yeah, uh, good pronunciation. I'm practicing my French. I got tickets for the World Cup. Nice. <laughs> um, 
so I, I really like that he's he's continuing that mold, right? It's not just like this is my squad now. I'm going to make them perfect. There is still wiggling. There is still changes going on in that squad. Um, but I think no more than we talk about Italy getting a monkey off their back. Thank God France have got this monkey off their back of not winning a title since 2010. Um, so tw- like 12 years, and and yeah, remember for three or four of those years, I mean, to call them a laughing stock is an exaggeration, but. You know, there was the joke of oh, you, you, eh? like which friends will turn up and how long will they play for? Like, so to see them put in again, uh, even not even this Six Nations for the last three years, or uh, yeah, last kind of two or three years, kind of consistent performances, right? Like, okay, they 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 slipped up against Scotland uh, last year, um, or sorry, the year before, um, and there's been like not the full article the whole way, but they've built steadily and they've gotten slightly better, even losing the tour in in Wales in the summer, but with a with an inexperienced squad. They've built really well and managed it really well. And I think a lot of teams have said it us included the next time we play France is in France is the World Cup. Um, so not only have they got the players believing it, but now they've got the local supporters believing it as well. So I think they've they are building, because I don't want to say they've finished, but they are building themselves into a fantastic position to take a home World Cup. Yeah, they, they're they so exciting to watch. And like Sam, there was even a, a period in the second half where England were piling on the pressure. Uh, and France, though, have become the kings of, you know, soaking up pressure for 10 minutes. And then it's literally the flick of a switch or a one pop pass. And it's, the, you know, they're under your posts. Like, they're so hard to play against, aren't they? Yeah, they're one of the best kind of transitional teams you've seen. Like, between Dupont, Entmac, Fiku, Peno, Jaminet, like, they get the ball and it's just, you, you can't kick to them. You can't knock it on without kind of recovering and giving away the scrum because they will, they will absolutely destroy any mistake you make. They're so, they're so good to watch uh, and they're so good at kind of punishing those mistakes. I think I don't remember team scoring as many tries kind of almost through the middle with a big break and an offload. They're just, there's someone on the shoulder at all times. Dupont is the master of it. He does that scrum half run. That's kind of getting really popular now where he actually runs ahead of you and anticipates where you're getting to and gets the offload, you know, uh, and they, I think that they're just they're stacked in every position and they also they have a bench I like we look, we talk about the Irish team you know having a good bunch of players but the the French bench is a step above the Irish bench in terms of like the, the 23 I think are far far kind of superior they they'd anyone on their bench came in and you'd uh, or any of the players not there's a good few players not even in the squad that were to come in you'd be going they're still contenders for World Cup and I think Ireland Thomas Ramos right come there. on for Yamane and I was like He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's a fantastic well, player. I was going to so say, good. I remember us doing the first podcast, Steve, after the World Cup, and I was talking about the young players that France had. And I said, Thomas Rama, I was like, this guy's going to be unreal. And I stand by that. But he can't get into the team now because they're just so good. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, and the, oh, they have the likes of like Jali Bear come back and all stuff. Like, there, there's so many players there. And I think that I do think that a lot does hinge on Dupont playing because he's he just such a link man. He's such a a motivator for them he kind of he's one of those like grab you by the scruff neck and drag you along with you sort of players like i think if they're down if they're feeling the pressure let's say you know a world cup semi-final and they were losing to one of the southern hemisphere teams i think dupont is the type to just get down in the trenches and pull you along and scrape that win he's just so determined he's he's he is world player of the year for a reason he's, a, he's an unbelievable player and even when he didn't have his best game he still comes up with that you know that that trailing line that i was talking about he's there on the shoulder ready to score a try when he needs to so uh, yeah, I think France are just growing and growing. I think they're 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 really on the trajectory now that it's, it looks like peaking, kind of in the middle of the home World Cup. What a time to peak! So I hope I hope 
if Ireland can't win the World Cup and Samoa can't win the World Cup, France my next team. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope Samoa win too. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I've always, yeah, ever, ever since Lomé Fatou on Sky Sports as a kid watching Hurricanes, uh, Lomé Fatou, and then when they played England in 2003 World Cup, they've just been my second team at World Cups. I love how they play. I love watching them play. I love Samoan players. I think that they're class. So, And if Big Papa's in a World Cup squad, that's even better. Oh, right? so, that would, that would, that would, that would warm my heart. Me. That would that be would unbelievable. Westy, you know, I know you're a big uh, D D fan. Did you watch the Formula E at the weekend? Uh, no, but I saw Leclerc. Leclerc. Uh, oh, took, oh. took the glory. So handsome. Yeah, like I don't like watching Formula One with my girlfriend because he sees <laughs> she sees people like him driving his Ferrari, and oh, you're like, oh no. If if my girlfriend didn't like, if she had the opportunity and didn't leave me for him, <laughs> I'd actually be annoyed at her. I'd be like, you idiot! Why would you not? <laughs> Uh, sorry, I just wanted to get the formula uh, in there. Um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up the fantasy lads because we have a winner, uh, and surprise, surprise, it's not one of us three dipshits. Uh, it's someone someone else. But what we'll do is we'll do top three. As said, the winner gets a pint. So if the winner will will say if you're at this if you're at the Connacht game this Saturday, we'll 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 organize it. But uh, in third place, no beard, no good, with a, a respectable four thousand sixty one points. So uh, round of applause for them, please. Uh, yeah, no one. Yeah, there in the faint background, you could hear it there. Uh, number two, crew a warrior who's been there, thereabouts the whole way. Uh, a gallant effort again, four thousand sixty-nine points. But on top, Paddy G, four thousand eighty-four points. Round of applause. Incredible effort. Incredible effort. Uh, yeah, that's a good tally. Only only five people broke the four thousand barrier. Um, Anne and Owen combined 15 and Dave H which is obviously Dave Heffernan uh, broke the, the 4,000 point barrier too so Paddy G I don't know if you're even a Connor supporter um, if you can reach out to me if you want a point at the Connor game if you don't that's fine uh, but that, that is your prize uh, if, they, if that is Dave Heffernan or if if, uh, if do you think imagine Dave, if it was though <laughs> Dave Heffernan sticks, sticks himself in <laughs> I believe boys I believe or like, will he come off the pitch on Saturday for the pint if he had won it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> friendly, just give me one sec. I've just got a pint of Guinness to down. Just jogs off the pitch. Um, Westy, where did you come? Let me just figure. I heard uh, of you two clowns anyway. Yeah, you came 15th. But more importantly, Arthur West came 13th. Well done, Arthur. <laughs> Favourite son and better at fantasy. Huge, huge. Westy, 15th's pretty good. Fair play to you. You, you have to say that because you came about 40th. I've I've I give up. I, well, I was again. I was on holidays, so like I didn't even do my team this week. <laughs> I forgot completely about it. Uh, Sam Finn Russell loves a bevy. No, Finn Russell would love. Oh, so you didn't, that's not even you. Oh wow, no, I'm, oh, I, I, I was mid twenties somewhere. You I was doing well. Twenty third. I was doing well till I forgot to put a fullback last week. Twenty third, and I came thirty sixth. So, yeah. uh, and who was last? Joseph Kenny uh, just been as consistent as anyone really bottom of the table every time Joseph Kenny you owe me a pint at the game on Saturday that's your punishment you pay for Paddy G's that's what you do let's just check his team yeah no full back Teddy Toma playing Robert Balakoon he's been consistently with Robert Balakoon just a supporter from day one <laughs> hasn't played at all um uh, yeah Ronan Callagher Tom Curry all good picks so well done for that. So thanks for everyone for doing the fantasy uh, we'll do it again next year we might have a proper of, like a jersey or something speaking of Balakoon though I, I read a couple of people complaining 
uh, about Max's performance, which I didn't buy at all. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I thought that was kind of his best. Like he played really well on the right wing, considering I think he's more of a left winger. But I saw them a load of people kind of leveling the like, oh, Balakun should have been on the right wing sort of thing. And what do you think of Max's performance the weekend? I thought, especially defensively, he was brilliant. Like, the, and we, we obviously touched on the defensive stuff because of some of the shite that was talked, but like, he doesn't really make mistakes. Uh, and obviously, as you say, it's not probably his preferred wing. And it's that role in the Irish team isn't a glamorous role. We all see it before, we're, we're like, with the likes of Conway. It's more of a, you know, get stuck in, get your work rate up kind of role compared to the low who gets a lot of chip and chase kind of opportunities and stuff. I, I think he was, I think he was very good. I think it's a shame Balakim didn't get game time, but at the same time, with Lowe coming in injured, I think Andy Farrell's probably looking at his different combinations that he will have available. So we did see, you know, we saw quite a lot of chopping and changing in that back three in terms of, you know, Conway and, and Lowe and, um, and, and Mac. So I think it, it's good to see how they, how those players have adapted and how they can move around. I mean, Farrell's obviously looking at someone who can potentially cover both wings and slot in with, with the other two. Um, I think Balakin is a fantastic talent and, I, and I'm disappointed we didn't really get to see him. But th- there's still time. I mean, been in, in and around that squad won't have done him any harm. And I'd say he's, um, unless he completely capitulates in the next two months, he's almost definitely going to New Zealand. So hopefully we will get an opportunity to see him, see him play. I think the obvious answer here is for Robert Balakin to let his hair grow out. That's yeah. clearly what Farrell wants in a winger. So Absolutely. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Or get maybe scrum cap on, do something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we'll look a little bit ahead, lads, to the URCs back this weekend. Connacht have a big one. The the Leinster boys come to the sports ground this Saturday. Um, we were we were kind of discussing this beforehand. Obviously, in the probably in the big picture, Sam, this this game probably more important than the two Champions Cup games, just with where Connacht are on the table in the URC. Um, Leinster are going to be missing kind of a, a few players as well due to Six Nations being over and player like safety and welfare. Uh, very winnable game on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I think the the talk around the Leinster team is that they're going to be missing all, if not if not all, most of their players. Maybe Henshaw comes back in, but they're players that were with the Irish team, whereas we'll probably just be missing Mac and Bundy and potentially Finley because he's been around the bench a bit. But uh no, I think it is a winnable one in the sports ground. It's going to be full. It's got extra capacity. I think of the games, and it pains me to say this, of the three games we have with them, this one is the one that I want to win the most. Even though I'd love to progress in the Champions Cup and I'd love to win more than one, I'd love to win two or three of them. Three would be absolutely unbelievable. We're winning the two home games anyway. But I think with the league the way it is, with the South African teams the way they are and with the Welsh teams capitulating the way they are, and there is still a very outside chance we can get into the Champions Cup, uh, based on the, the Welsh teams look like they can't tip on much more and you know maybe try and catch one of the South African teams off guard when we're down there and just overtaking them. I think that this is probably the most important one. So I, I'd expect us to go as as strong as possible. And I think that this is the, the game that Leinster will have the least access to their internationals. I think the second and third game of this series, they'll get more and more game time for those internationals that were away. So yeah, I think it is the one that we can go for. I think that the, the kind of team will have been really sitting thinking about how poor the last game was so i think they'll want to make amends for that and you know please god they do and we have something to celebrate in the sports ground on saturday yeah i think so well that's it like west what do you think as players would you would you just park that 50 point drubbing or are you using that as much as possible to get yourself going for this weekend yeah well i think kind of as sam said i think having to sit with it for two weeks you'd be pretty eager to 
to just get another game played, you know, not have that be your, your kind of latest performance. Um, as I said at the time we discussed it, like I think there is value to be taken from analyzing it and looking at why and how gaps open up in our defensive system. But I also think there's diminishing returns and that as the game goes on and you're kind of, your heads are down, there's less value in looking at those mistakes because, you know, at that point it's, you know, you're not in the same headspace you were at the start of the game. You don't have that same determination, that same kind of focus, that same commitment to the game plan. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to look at it, but I think in a certain regard, you have to park it. I would be concerned that the two Scottish teams have done that to us now. Um, and like Leinster always have a potential to do that to every team they play. It's not, it's not a question of us being necessarily bad. Leinster just happened to do that to most teams in this league. Um, so... Yeah, I think there's value to be taken from, but I think he can't dwell on it. I think we've ha- they've had it a, a week or two off. We're going into now. Like I think it's a run of six games in six weeks, so it's going to be tough. I think all our energy should be focused on it. Um, and as Sam said, I agree. If I could pick one to win and only one, I'm taking this one because as much as I think we can beat anybody on our day, I don't see us going on and winning the Hiding Cup, and that's the only other way we're going to qualify for Europe next year. Yeah. Down for the table, table is again not looking good. Connacht down the tent now, um, with again teams behind them with games in hand, uh, and even a few most in front of them also have a game in hand. So, not looking good in that sense. So, a win at, at the weekend would be huge. Ulster travel down to South Africa, uh, playing the Stormers this weekend as well, which would be interesting to see because uh, South African teams do look like a different beast down there in South Africa. So, uh, the likes of Ulster, who obviously won the better teams uh, in the competition, how they'll get on uh, will be interesting. Uh, and Munster hosts Benetton uh, as well on Friday night, uh, which should be a fairly uh, simple win for them as well. Uh, but I think we'll wrap it up there, boys. Um, we'll be back next weekend to hopefully discuss all the URC action, hopefully a, a good kind of win. Um, thanks to everyone again for listening uh, and for everyone who entered our fantasy. Uh, we'll do it again next year. It was a bit of crack. And uh, yeah, I said Pai G if you're listening, reach out and we'll organise that. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. Bye. Cheers, that's- Bye.